0: Alright, so if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 13. We're going to be uh, going through the entire chapter of Luke chapter 13. There's only 35 verses today. I think last week it was like 58 or something. It was a lot. Um, so, <clears throat> you can turn with me. We're going to go through this together. Um, and I just want to start our talk tonight uh, with a couple of questions. Um, we're going to get pretty deep pretty fast. So, um... First question is, do you ever feel like you're invisible? Um, not like you have the power of invisibility, um, which would be super cool. Um, but I know that there have been times in my life where sometimes I feel like if I wasn't around, it would just kind of like fade into the background, right? Like if I didn't show up to work or to school or whatever, that like I would just kind of like be the stuff around. Like I would just like blend into the wall and I'd be gone, right? And No one would notice that I was gone, you know? And... um I know that this probably seems like a little bit like dramatic, like melodramatic, like I'm a you know, 14 year old girl or something like that. But uh, I think that we all feel like this at some point. Like, hey, if I woke up and like, you know, or if I didn't wake up tomorrow or whatever, and I was gone, like, you know, no one would even notice that I was gone. Like, I think we've all probably been there, felt there. Like, or even when we're in a big group of people, it's like, oh, they would never even notice that if I was if I wasn't there, you know. Um, that like we have this this. Uh, this desire, this, um, this utterly human thing about us that desires to be seen, this desire to be like, have this healthy attention in our lives, for people to really know us and to, um, to not be invisible, to be visible to those around us, right? That, that all of us at some point have probably felt that lack of attention, some loneliness in our lives, um, and felt an emptiness in our relationships, right? That we felt that way, like we have felt like just not seen. Um, and the second question is, do you ever feel like you just need a hug? Um, and I know Yvette's sitting right here, and I was thinking about her as I was writing this, because she's like the queen of hugs. Uh, she just, she loves to give hugs. So if you need a hug tonight, Yvette is here, she will hug you. Um, maybe not, I don't know, but, um, in all seriousness, I believe that there are times in our lives when we just really need physical touch of another human being, right? Not in some weird or strained or sexual way in any way, but just in a totally... Like in our humanness, right? Scientists actually say that we we need eight hugs a day to be healthy people, right? And I would say most days I, I'm not a healthy person. Right? I don't have eight hugs a day. I'm not necessarily get that much attention, right? My mom actually told me yesterday. She's like, "You used to be the most affectionate kid, and you used to always want to, you know how moms are. You used to always want to sit on my lap and all this stuff." Like and I'm like, "Mom, come on, I'm like almost 30, like it's okay." Um, But I think that, like, our bodies, our minds, and our souls, they really do cry out for, like, appropriate physical contact, right? That we really do need, you know, a touch. Even when I used to work with teenagers, you know, just a pat on the back or, you know, an appropriate side hug in a (laughs) church environment, um, you know, or just, you know, just something like a high five, even that sort of contact, like, it really brings something healthy to, like, the human soul, right? And I think that sometimes... um, we just, we just need a hug. We just need someone to, to have this touch in our lives. Um, and these two themes, these two the- needs, these two physical, emotional, and spiritual desires, I think of each and every human being, are what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk um, about being seen and being touched. And um, we're actually going to only take about eight of the verses we're going to read tonight. We're going to talk about just the story of Jesus and how he sees and touches us. And so I've asked Cassie to read For us, uh, verses 1 through 35, we're going to dive in together. And I think we're kind of prayed up tonight, so you can go ahead and jump in.
1: About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee, Jesus asked? Is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish too, unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And what about the eighteen people who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No, and I tell you again that unless you repent, you will perish too. Then Jesus told this story A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year, and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She'd been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. Then Jesus called her, When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her, and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. (coughs) But the Lord replied, You hypocrites, each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water? This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released even on the Sabbath? This shamed his, en- his enemies, but all the people rejoiced at the wonderful things he did. Then Jesus said, What is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It is like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree, and the birds make nests in its branches. He also asked, What else is the kingdom of God like? It is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of dough, it permeated every part of the dough. Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he went, always pressing on toward Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved? He replied, work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom, for many will try to enter, but will fail. When the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. You will stand outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, but we ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't know you or where you come from. Get away from me, all you who do evil. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for you will see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. But you will be thrown out, and people will come from all over the world, from east and west, north and south, to take their places in the kingdom of God. And note this, some who seem least important now will be the greatest then, and some who are greatest now will be least important then. At that time, some Pharisees came to him. Get away from here if you want to live. Herod Antipas wants to kill you. Jesus replied, go tell that fox that I will keep on casting out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And the third day I will accomplish my purpose. Yes, today, tomorrow, and the next day I must proceed on my way. For it wouldn't do for a prophet of God to be killed except in Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. And now, look, your house is abandoned, and you will never see me again until you say, Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord.
0: All right. I love that. I like that Jesus calls him a fox. I've never heard anyone say that before. Um, but again, as we journey through um, Luke 13, what I love about not talking about the entire passage itself, birth by verse, is that uh, Cassie was telling me, and, and she didn't tell me a lot about the women's study, but um, just that like there's a lot of things we don't talk about, and then it's like all these questions come up. Like, hey, we didn't talk about that. Like, What does that mean? And I love that. Like, That's what I love about community is that we don't have to like, it's not all about what happens on a Saturday and what I end up talking about. It's really about us studying Scripture together, really letting it chew on us and us chew on it, and, and just talking through. And so tonight, like I said, we're really only going to focus on eight verses um, in this passage, the story kind of right in the middle, um, of just a genuine and loving interaction between Jesus and a woman he meets in the synagogue on a Friday night, so which would have been the Sabbath, you know, when the sun goes down on Friday, the Sabbath starts, and when the sun, you know, um, you know, all the way till the same time on Saturday, would have been the Sabbath. Um, and if, if this is a totally aside, but if you've never been to a Jewish synagogue, there's one in Stockton, and um, just the way they celebrate, God is like really cool. And they don't have the Jesus side, of course, but like they're they're like balance of community and just eating together and just. Uh, it's it's really cool. Um, Cassie and I have gone several times, just enjoyed just the culture of it. And so, um, anyways, that's totally off topic. But um, starting in verse 10, Dr. Luke describes a scene um, where Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, which he was a regular, you know, that's what he did regularly. He would travel around and he would come in to the local church and he would begin to teach And it says that he sees a woman who's been crippled by an evil spirit. It says that this spirit had plagued her. Um, This demonic force had plagued her for 18 years. And it had manifested itself in a physical ailment. It said that she was doubled over in pain. So I would just imagine her kind of being like a hunchback type situation. Um, I don't really know what that looks like. But that's what I imagine in my brain. Um, And so... Like I said many times before, um, this is not to say that all sickness and disease comes from evil spirits, okay? Sometimes a cold is just a cold, okay? (laughs) Uh, Sometimes we just live in a broken, jacked-up world where terrible things happen to people. It's just, that's the nature of the world that we live in. It's broken. Sometimes we just live in a fallen world, okay? So not every sickness, not every tummy ache, not every, you know, headache comes from the devil, okay? That's definitely not what this is saying. Um, But in this instance... Um, Even without talking to the woman, Jesus knows her ailment. He knows her pain and he sees her for who she really is and what she's destined for. Jesus knows. He doesn't even have a conversation. It's not even like he was in a back room with someone someplace and looked out and said, hey, what's going on with that lady over there? Like Jesus saw her and he knew her like before he even had a conversation with her. And that's what I love about God in our lives, too, is that he sees us, right? Like he sees our faults. He sees our failures. He sees our jacked upness, he sees the stuff that we do, right? And you know what? He sees us, and he still loves us. Like, and that we don't even have to tell him anything about us, and he knows us completely and totally, which is pretty incredible. Um, and this word "see" in the original language has such a deeper meaning than just like a vision of the eyes, right? Sometimes in English we just have such a lack of like depth in our language. And this word "see" means to perceive. To notice, to discern, to discover, to pay attention to, and to know. And so as Jesus saw her, he perceived her, he noticed her, he knew her, right? He knew not just what was on the outside, but he knew what was on the inside. He knew her heart, he knew the condition of her soul, the condition of her mind, right? Jesus knew her completely, and and even though this woman is in the temple and was it would have been believed to be a practicing Jew, it seemed like she was a regular member of the temple um, or, or the synagogue, and she would have gone regularly. Um, she had never met Jesus and given her life to the Lord. And the way that we knew, know that is if she was afflicted by a demon, if she was um, if she was uh, uh, if there was a demon that was a force in her life. I believe that you cannot be overtaken by a demon in that way if you know Christ. If you know Christ, you cannot be possessed by a demon. It is impossible because the light that is within you casts all the darkness out, right? So she clearly had not met Christ yet. Um, But this woman, she had been battling crippling pain in her spine for decades. And it says she was unable to stand up straight. That would be so terrible, right? Could you imagine not being able to stand up straight? Like, you literally, you could not. Like, your body is unable to. Um, and I, I just think, this is not written into the story. This is my perception of the story. But I, I, I think that, like, probably at first, um, the people around her had faith, right? She was, like, a regular member of the synagogue, she would have gone, she believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? She believed that, you know, there, there definitely even during that time there were traditions of, of healing, right? They had to, There was one pool where people could go and if, you know, there was a certain amount of time that if you got it in time that God would heal you, right? So there was definitely a culture of healing. So I imagine that at first people around her would have had faith that she could have been healed, right? But after 18 years, I think that her faith and the faith around her probably started to wane, right? As it does in our lives. Like, sometimes we're just so confident that God's going to do something, and then it's like two weeks or two months or two years later, it's like, oh, I just don't know, like, if God's going to handle that for us. But Luke, in a moment, shows us that Jesus steps into a normal church building and sees this woman in immense physical and spiritual pain, right? Um, And she hadn't been seen in years, I don't think, she hadn't been noticed in years. Um, and that Jesus was really the only one that could heal her body and set her soul free. Right As he saw her and loved her immediately. Um, she was no longer alone. She was no longer lost in the background. Jesus brought her right to the very throne of God with one look. Right, as he saw her across the room, he brought her in to what he had for her. And, and Luke says that he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. And then he touched her. And instantly she could stand straight. Imagine that you're this woman in a male-dominated culture um, who is not only a female, but a female with a spiritual and physical sickness. Okay? <laughs> so if a man wasn't going to touch you when you were whole and healed... He definitely wasn't going to touch you when you were sick, okay? And that culture, there was definitely like some like um, superstitions, right? So like you wouldn't want to be around or touch a sick person, right? You might get it. They might give it to you um, if you're just around them or in their proximity. They didn't really know about germs and like antibiotics and like all that kind of stuff. Like you might catch whatever she had, right? And and you definitely. Wouldn't have received human physical touch. Maybe not even from your family. And she had battled this illness for 18 years. Can you imagine potentially going 18 years without a person touching you? Right? And that's not written into the story, but that's what I would imagine would have been the case in her environment. Maybe not even from your family. And Jesus stepped into this moment and he touched her, or literally the scripture says he laid hands on her, right? Jesus, again, was breaking the religious customs of this time. Men were not to be seen with women, let alone touching women in any way. You weren't even supposed to be like, hey, I'm over by the water cooler and me and Deborah or whatever, me or Susie, we're like having a conversation about work. Like that wasn't even allowed, okay? You weren't even supposed to be seen with a woman, let alone um, as a man, as a religious, as a righteous man. We're not supposed to have touched a woman. Yet Jesus, in his deep love and compassion, reaches into the physical and spiritual sickness of this woman's life and touches all of her, right? Because remember, God is not just a God of our physical bodies. He's not even just a God of our minds. He's a God of our body, our soul, and our spirit. And so when he heals us and touches us and moves in our lives, he wants to move in every part of us, right? It was way beyond for him um, just the miracle of healing her physical body. He wanted her to know him. He wanted her to have freedom, as it talks about later in the passage. Um, he wants to bring wholeness to every part of who she is. <clears throat> and I believe that we serve a God that wants to heal our physical bodies and he wants to heal the brokenness of our soul. Right? We all have brokenness, we all have pain, we all have disappointment. And in this moment, Luke um, describes that Jesus welcomes this woman into complete and total healing because he saw her and he touched her. Right? Those two things that went together. And I wonder tonight if we need to encounter, uh, maybe for the first time or maybe for the hundredth time, um, a God that both sees us and touches us. Right, um, Our God, he knows what we're facing he knows what we're going through. And He thinks about us all the time. Right? When He looks at us, He knows us. Right? Sometimes I feel like we think that we can like, hide from God. Right? It's like an Adam and Eve scenario all over again. Like, that was the very first like, thing in the Bible. Right? They, tried, they sinned, and then they ran from God, and they hid from God, and they put on you know, these leaves or whatever they you know, made for themselves right? because they thought that they could hide themselves from God. And he's like, no, 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 no. I, like, I made you. Like I've been with you in the garden. I used to walk with you in the garden. I know you. I see you. Like, when you bit into that fruit, man, I saw that. Okay? I know what's going on. He knows all of us. He sees us, right? We can't hide from God, nor should we hide from God, because He's there for us to see us and to touch us, right? It even says that in another part of Scripture, it said that Jesus intercedes. He prays for us, right? He intercedes for us. It's pretty cool. We are never alone in our pain or in our joy because God is with us and God is for us. He notices it when we're killing it, Right? When we're just just killing the game, we got it. Like you know, we're just pff, knocking him out of the park, right? Um, and he's there to encourage us when we fail. Like he knows it, right? And 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 his love and his encouragement and his compassion for us is not dependent upon whether we we get it right or whether we get it wrong. Like that is not how God works. Um, whether we have enough faith. Whether we have it together or enough, that isn't how God works in us. And I think our God wants us to know that He, the God of the universe, sees us and knows us in everything that we're facing. And more than that, He is with us and He is for us. Right? He was for this woman in this story. He wants to reach into the brokenness of our bodies, our hearts, our relationships, our failures, and He wants to touch our lives on a regular basis He is active in our lives and constantly moving and doing in and through us. And I I really do believe that that there are places in our lives tonight that God wants to do a healing in us, right? I really do believe that there's places where we've been broken, that we've been hurt, that we've been disappointed, that we've been beat up, that we've been just going through the ringer, right? Um, And God wants to heal us. Just because we know Christ and because we've had this moment with God doesn't make everything okay for the rest of our lives, right? It doesn't mean that we're never going to go through anything else and God's like, oh, we just got to like put on the hallelujah face, right? Like, God's good. He's awesome, man. Things are great. No, God like is constantly doing a healing in us. He's constantly wanting us to know like, "I I see you. I see that. I see what just happened right there. And you know what? If you'll let me, I want to touch that place of your life, that brokenness, and I want to turn it into something beautiful. I want to make it into something beautiful in your life. And and I think that right right now is the right time for a touch from God. Right? There's no time to wait. Uh, there's no there's no time to just hold on to that pain or that anger or that brokenness in us. Um, and so my question, one of my questions tonight is. Do we need a God that sees us and touches us tonight um, in places of our lives that maybe we've stuffed in the back dark places of our hearts or just stuffed it back? If I just stuff it hard enough, if I, I'm like a trash compactor, right? If I just stuff it in and I just keep pushing that sucker down, man, it's never going to come back out, right? Um, and God's saying, no, 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 I want to take that whole bag out. Let's get rid of that thing. Let's get you a fresh start. Let's get you a fresh bag. That thing's going to start to smell at some point. Eventually you can't keep stuffing that sucker down. You've got to take it out to the trash and get rid of it. Um, and that's what happens in our lives. And I, and I think too, um, tonight, I think of whether we have this same heart that Jesus had. Um, as we go to work, as we go to dinner, as we go to the store, or we go spend time with family... Do I see and do I touch people the way that Jesus did in Luke 13? Um, do I have eyes to see people the way that God does? Or do I see their faults and their failures, right? Where, where at least for me, sometimes I walk around and I'm like, you know what? I, I can tend to say, you know what? Maybe they've they've earned that for themselves. That stupid behavior or this, this mistake they've made over here. You know what? They've kind of earned that. And maybe I won't say that to anyone. Maybe I won't verbalize that. But I think that's naturally how our human minds work. Like, you know what? Drive by a homeless encampment, you know what? They they put themselves there, right? And maybe we don't verbalize that or that broken relationship with their They're dumb. They need to just... Shouldn't they figure that thing out, right? We begin to see people that way. We begin to, I got it better than them, right? And that isn't how Jesus saw this. He never at one point said, that woman deserved what she had. She deserved that demon that was afflicting her or breaking her, right? And I think, too, do we have the guts to touch the untouchables, right? It's really easy to just say, like, you know, God, I'm going to throw some money at it, right? That's really the American way, Um, is, like, we see some on TV, we see, like, people in Africa, like, that have AIDS, or we see, you know, Ebola, or we see, you know, things in even our own community, and we just say, oh, I'll just throw 50 bucks at her, but I'm going to feel better about myself. It gives me to wash my conscience, right? But I think that God is a God who gets His hands dirty in real-life ministry. Am I going to roll my sleeves up? And am I going to be a part of what God is doing here? Because God isn't just about us giving. We talk about finances, and that's important. But God is not just a God of throwing money at stuff to make ourselves feel better. Um, because I think that Jesus' model of reaching people around Him... Um, would be to see them with the eyes of love and to touch them with a genuine compassion and care. Right? And I, if we do this, I believe that God can and will use us to release so many loved ones from the bondage of physical, emotional, and spiritual brokenness. Our God will help us love so many folks in our community um, into the greatest relationship he'll ever experience, which is the love of their Savior. As Brooke was talking about, it's like, you know what, sometimes in life, Even when everything's swirling around us and going sideways, if we have Jesus, like, it's going to be okay. Like, I can make it. And I think about that all the time with people in my life that are just going through so much stuff. I'm like, how in the heck do they ever get through this without Jesus? Like, how does that even happen? Right? But when we see and we touch like Jesus does, I believe that God will allow us to, to work in those spheres of influence. I believe that we'll see people in our lives come to know Christ as we do that, how He does it. And I've been really thinking and praying and acting the last couple weeks with a real sense of urgency when it comes to living the gospel. I just, I find myself often find just being very complacent. And I just like, it's like sometimes I just give myself like, oh, just, I'm so tired from work, or I'm so this, or I just, I need to do this over here. And I just, I begin to make excuses for myself. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, there is a world out there who doesn't know Jesus, And they're going through, like, garbage. And they're pushing their trash compactor down every day, and it stinks, right? And the only way they're going to get rid of that junk is with Jesus. And I've got Jesus, and they don't. And that's not, I'm better than you, or I've got this all figured out. But, like, I've got something that is, like, pure gold, right? Like, I can't just say I'm too tired, or I'm out of energy. I don't have patience for that person, right? Right? I don't naturally like them, right? I can't just say those things because I have Jesus, right? And I'm really just trying to allow God to change my selfishness, to change my me focus, to change my tiredness or my excuses, this culture of excuses I create in my mind and replace it with a passion to share the goodness and love of Jesus. I want this season of my life to be the most fruitful season that I've ever had. I want this to be more fruitful than what I had before. I know a lot of Christians, and they're like, all they can talk about is the glory days, right? Remember what happened back here? Remember when we were uh we were 25 and we were blah 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 blah, and they're like 60 now. I'm like, this could be your glory day. Like, why does it have to have been way back then? Like, like if you're done, like just die already. Like, and that's mean, but like at some point it's like, if you're just finished like and you want to skate to the end, man, I just don't get that. Like I want this season of my life to be the most fruitful season that I've ever had. And I love what Jesus says, and we're gonna kind of finish here. In Luke thirteen, verses eighteen and nineteen, he says, What the kingdom of God, what is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It is like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in the garden, it grows and becomes a tree, and the birds make nests in its branches. And that's what I want the story of my life to be, just this tiny mustard seed of faith that God has planted in me, right, and I want that to grow and to grow, and if you've ever seen them, I mean, they're little, itty-bitty mustard seeds, I mean, they're not even like a big seed, they're a tiny seed, and that that grows and grows and grows, and that other people nest in the branches of our lives, right, that's what I want my life to be like, um, and I wanted to live a bountiful crop of lives transformed by a Lord that both sees and touches people. Right? We talked about last week the fact that we can't take any amount of the money or fame or fortune with us. Right? But we can take people with us. That's the only eternal thing on this planet is human beings. Right? And, and human beings that know Christ. And so I know that you guys want that for your lives as well. A life that is the most fruitful in this season that you've ever had. A life that both sees and touches people in our world. And so I'm going to pray for us. And then um, we're going to finish up with some small group um, stuff here. And we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you see us and that you touch us. We thank you that you are real in us. And we pray that we would have eyes to see. And that we would have um, our sleeves rolled up, God to get messy in the nitty-gritty of doing life with people, doing ministry in people's lives, Lord. Where sometimes it goes sideways and sometimes people hurt us, but you know what, Lord? We have pure gold in our lives. And we want this season of our life to be the most fruitful season that we've ever experienced. Not only in our personal lives, but even in the life of Mosaic. I speak that over Mosaic, God, that this would be a season of fruitfulness, a season of growth, a season of people... Um, that we, when we come together, we would talk about the amazing things that you're doing in and through our lives, and that we would see our our family, our community grow, Lord, um, not just from people who, who already know you, but from people who are meeting you for the very first time. God, how incredible that is when someone gives their life to you for the first time. We just thank you for tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so got a couple?